This is The Verse, a weekly dive into the cinematic universes and beyond. We'll dissect the latest episodes, films, and news all fans from veterans to news are dying to know more about. Now, here's our team of pop culture superheroes we call The Verse Squad. Welcome to The Verse. Hello, Verselings. Welcome to a very special bonus episode. As part of our extended verse, we got to speak with Lon Molnar and Anthony DeChillis, part of the special effects team of Monsters, Aliens, Zombies, Robots, VFX, or Mars VFX for short. They were responsible for some of the incredible CGI effects on Marvel's WandaVision, along with an impressive resume of feature film and television shows, including Made for Love, Shadow and Bone, Star Trek Discovery, Watchmen, The Boys, Umbrella Academy, and one of my personal favorites, What We Do in the Shadows, and many, many, many more. Not only do Lon and Anthony work on these shows, they are also as big of fans of them as we are over here at The Verse. So without further ado, let's listen to the conversation. Lon and Anthony, thank you for joining us. I am super curious how the name came about of your VFX studio. So just make sure I'm correct in this. It's Monsters, Aliens, Robots, Zombies. Correct. Is the name of your <laughs> effects studio. Yeah, I can give you a bit of a story on that. I mean, I was, uh, I was on a train ride actually from Montreal to Toronto with a, a good friend of mine and just kind of like coming up with, you know, the things that we grew up with in the eighties that we loved and, uh, just kind of putting those words down on a, on a notepad and literally, you know, suddenly we're shuffling them around and, and voila, you know, it, it's was short for Mars and it just was kind of cool stuck with me uh, since. Yeah. It definitely fits, you know, the genre you guys work in. Uh, maybe just give us a little background of, of what the studio does. So we started around August, 2018. And one of the things that we focused on when we launched the company, we've seen a, a kind of a, at that time, kind of a gap in visual effects companies focusing on premium TV. And, you know, that was kind of an, a, a Resurgence of premium TV at that time. You've seen what Netflix was doing, but a lot of VFX companies typically have their toes in, in you know, multiple ponds, film and TV. And when we kind of uh, initially kind of were doing the analytics, I'd say, we realized that nobody was super focused on premium TV. And at that point, you see Game of Thrones pushing that threshold of quality right up. Uh, but the problem is trying to hit timelines of TV uh, in that rhythm. So film, you know, you'd have much longer times to do things, TV much less. Uh, at least that's what the, the studios would want. So for us, it was a focus on if we put all our energy and efforts and focus from tech to hiring decisions on speed and still hitting that quality bar uh, and also the metric of uh, budget because TV didn't typically have the same budgets as film, what would the end result be? And uh, how can we service our clients that and, and give them the respect and appreciation that they're asking for in that area. So, you know, we're, we're kind of a, a full effects, you know, beginning to end shop, but uh, probably in the last, I'd say six months, we're starting to hone in even more on, we'll say the next beach to attack and it's uh, character work, uh, which fits in well with our name, Monsters, Aliens, Robot Zombies. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we're going right now. Speaking of like character work, as you just said, uh, Growing up, were either of you guys fans of any of like the pop culture universes, such as Star Trek, Star Wars, Doctor Who even? 
Absolutely, 100%, without a doubt. I mean, again, that's how the name kind of came to be with all the things that we love to see is, uh, in the 80s. And I was a, a comic book junkie uh, back in the day before I realized girls existed and, and, and uh, started chasing them instead of comics. Uh, but uh, we'll let Anthony kind of jump in with uh, his background. Yeah, mine... Um, so even though I was aware of like Star Wars, Star Trek, that never really you know, caught my attention. Maybe it was age and I, you know, born in the eighties and stuff. So the nineties is what caught me. So the, the number one thing that when I came out of the theater after watching Jurassic Park, I, I was like, I don't know what they do, but I need to do that kind of thing. And just all that, that, that era of um, uh, dragon hearts and, and all that sort of stuff where, you know, as a kid, it just, the, the fantasy and stuff really caught me. And then you had these big creatures and again, not knowing how they did it, I was just blown away. I'm like, okay, I need, I need to do that. That's, that's what I need to get into. No, that's, that's awesome. And I mean, Lon, did you have like a moment like that? Was there a film that kind of like sparked that for you? Yeah, I mean, you know, Star Wars, I am a 70s child. So, you know, I remember uh, Star Wars playing in the drive-in and, uh, at the time, a friend of mine and myself kind of rode our bikes to the back of the drive-in and kind of going up the fence to just watch the movie and just being in complete awe. Uh, so that was definitely like, you know, at that time, just just like this whole other world. Um, but my moment probably of getting into this industry was, you know, definitely, you know, movies like The Mask, um, you know, bringing in Tex Avery style into, you know, live action was really, really cool. But uh, for me, it was probably Toy Story when that uh, came out and was released in the theater. And I remember sitting in a theater, I was in Vancouver at the time and watching that and just being blown away. And I made up my mind walking out of that theater. This is what I'm doing. That's it. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. So we got Toy Story and Jurassic Park. I think that's a pretty good mix to start off. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> sure. Not part of the uh, the Mars acronym, though, I noticed, you know, the toys and dinosaurs weren't part. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, monsters for, to uh, for, uh, for Jurassic toys. Yeah, I don't know. There was all sorts of uh, aliens and whatnot in, in, in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's awesome. So... Obviously, now the big thing that, you know, we're going to talk about today is WandaVision. So, I mean, were you guys at all fans of the Marvel Universe before you started working on this project? Yeah, um, I'd say hugely. <laughs> I mean, who, who isn't? I mean, you know, multiple reasons. Again, going back to the comic book days, I actually had, you know, the, uh, the, a, a lot of the limited editions. So I had the Vision and Scarlet Witch 1 to 4 series. So, you know, seeing this all starting to happen over the past how many years the marvel universe it was just you know blown away and it's like as a fan it's it's like an amazing time to to be in 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 as a fan that's for sure um and for me probably too is finally we got on a show that my kids i have many of them uh really appreciate and they suddenly mm -hmm. dad is cool <laughs> uh, and it, it's been a long time before dad was cool in their eyes that's awesome yeah same growing up you know it was uh you know comic books w were a big part of you know growing up and especially just the art of it really you know caught my eye and stuff like that and you know unfortunately my kids are 
still a little young. So, uh, I, you know, I look forward to sharing the MCU with them now because it's like, once you guys get old enough, you know, we can sit down and, you know, have a marathon run through them. So, so it's, uh, you know, waiting for that day. It's going to be exciting. Yeah, I know. By the time your kids might be old enough, you're going to have like 40 films to show them <laughs> and lots of TV. Yeah. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's, awesome. that's something I wonder about when you're when you're watching, and I wonder if this will be true. Like, it, you know, when you're watching with your kids, uh, how do you think being um, an effects professional changes how you watch these things, or would change like the conversations you'd have with your kids, especially for things that you've worked on? Like, if you're showing them, if you're watching Wandavision with them, like, how does that go? They, uh, for me, it's like, they hate the fact that I ruin everything for them. <laughs> and that's something like with us in, in, you know, just being in the industry, everything is ruined for us. You know, uh, there's, there's times even with WandaVision where I, I'm a little further out of, you know, the day-to-day -day production and I'll get pulled into calls that have to do with, let's say later episodes. And I'm kind of like, look, everything else has been spoiled. I want to save something. Like, I don't want to be spoiled on everything. So I'll try to remove myself from the spoilers uh, and try not to look at everything. But even with my kids, whenever something comes, you know, something happens, uh, like when Evan Peters uh, shows up, I was like, I have to show them. I have to show them. You guys are going to be blown away to see what happens here. And, uh, you know, they're, and then they hate me because, uh, I ruined everything for them. So, uh, yeah. Oh my I imagine God, WandaVision must've been, had many unique challenges though, because you were dealing with so many different eras of television, of classic television. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, your thoughts on that? One of the biggest challenges that we had creating vision for WandaVision was the early episodes, right? The first uh, two episodes being black and white and of that earlier uh, 50s and, and 60s era of television, there's a couple of like hurdles that we had to kind of overcome. And first, you know, what, uh, Marvel did extensive research on just what type of um, color they had to paint Paul Bettany's face um, to, for it to read properly. And then, uh, you know, uh, along with us, we had to kind of figure out, normally vision is a very stoic, you know, very non-emotive kind of character. But with these 50s and 60s and the, you know, Dick Van Dyke era, uh, comedy and stuff, his facial animation and, and uh, emotional uh, facial expressions, poses, expression poses, yeah, um, were through the roof. So we had to kind of figure out a way to uh, you know, mimic that and have it read with all those, you know, patches and, and uh, de details that were on Vision's face. So I would say that that was probably one of our, our biggest challenges. for sure. Now, did you, I guess for research purposes, did you have to go back and watch films or content that Vision appeared in to order to make sure it still like matched the vision that audience had, audiences had already seen? Yeah, so we were uh, early on, we were given a lot of um, reference from previous films and, and stuff like that from Marvel. Um, and they gave us, you know, specific uh, things that they wanted us to hit and match and, and stuff like that. So we focused on those, but then there was a lot of stuff still, like I said, up in the air where, you know, it took a lot of, you know, R&D and, and development to kind of figure out what exactly would look like and what works what doesn't work and 
fun is a lot of the transitional type effects as well. Like when they're moving through furniture and he's, you're seeing little kind of like stars kind of show up very old school, like, uh, uh, bewitched and whatnot. Bewitched, so yeah. you know, we were given a lot of that reference to kind of study, uh, into, you know, the, the, the sixties to the seventies and looking at one wonder woman, early days footage, uh, those kind of cheesy shows just to kind of make sure that our transitions were kind of carrying forward through those decades as well. And matching, uh, matching obviously the, the, the set design that they were, you know, trying to uh, pull off. Yeah. And Anthony, I was wondering if you um, had any thoughts on that question I'd asked before. I think we kind of were in the flow of things, but uh, you know, for, for you, how does being, uh, being in this industry change how you watch things? Oh yeah. Uh, You know, just like Lon said, you know, it does pull you out a bit, but at the same time, there's those moments where you're watching something and you're just, you're just struck with like, how did they do that? Like I'm in the industry and I don't know how they did that, you know, and that, you know, it gets, gets your whole you know, motor going. Cause it's like, that's, that's impressive, right? Like, or, but that looks seamless or, or whatever the case may be. And, and watching it with, you know, just even watching other shows with, you know, my younger kids and stuff like that. I kind of see that spark with them. Cause now when they say, Oh dad, is that real? Or is this real? Or how did they do that? You know, I'll, break it down you know to some basic uh explanation but you can see in their eyes they're like oh okay but 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 how did they do that then and you're like well they do this and they do that and they're just like oh okay and it's it's, it's awesome seeing that right because you know right now they're of that age where like they're they're easily shocked and they're usually (laughs) surprised and stuff like that so you're just like yeah that's what dad does and they're like oh this is so cool (laughs) I think the problem with us, though, is we can't watch a movie without analyzing all the pixels on the screen and breaking everything down in our head as to how they're doing it. So you don't really get to, you know, uh, enjoy the story. So a lot of times I know for me, I'll try to watch something as close to a non-visual effects show as possible or directors that just detest uh, effects like, you know, Quentin Tarantino, for instance. So I can actually just sit and let my brain just watch a story and not have to try and analyze anything to, to death. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. But I do, I do understand what you're saying. Um, I have a mother who is a detective and so I cannot watch any, Law and Order, Criminal Mind, anything that is remotely close to that cannot watch because she just sits there and critiques every single part of the episode. She's like, they, they, they would not solve it that fast. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That's probably how our kids feel when we're watching yeah. the effects you know, shows. I, yeah, I would, like to, I would have yeah. liked to have watched Criminal Minds at some point in my life, but you know, honestly, <laughs> I have to do it in the pri- privacy of my own room. Uh, but I have to say... Um, one of my favorite actually episodes was the Halloween episode of uh, WandaVision. And there's this awesome moment where Vision in goes is investigating the neighborhood and he's in his costume, but then he transforms into the actual Vision. So uh, tell us a little about working on that. So yeah, so that was, that was probably our most challenging sequence for sure. So um you know, having vision transition and then take off and then survey the whole town and then fly down to Agnes's uh, car and everything, that I would say was 
pretty much all digi-double work. So that was a full CG vision from the moment he took off uh, to the moment he lands and walks over to, to the car. Um, the biggest shot was him surveying the whole town. And that is a 100% uh, CG town. Um, even all of Paul Bettany was almost completely replaced only for a short snippet of the, the shot where we see his face and stuff like that is, is that that's Paul Bettany. The rest of it is full CG. So that was definitely a very, very challenging sequence, but man, it was like to see that at the end come, you know, in, in full sequence kind of thing. And it was just, it was, it was fantastic. And, and then even that, like when he flies down, there's probably a lot of things that people don't realize. Like they shot Vision landing in front of the car and stuff like that. They shot a, a stunt double, but it, it didn't quite um, feel right to Marvel and, and the director um, that he was just landing a little too hard. Um, so they wanted to kind of take take that uh, action over with a, a digi double, and uh, so that you know, because Vision's very calculated, very elegant, you know, very in all his moves. So he actually had to come down nice and calmly, softly, and then walk over to the car and stuff like that. So even just little things like that that people would probably not even pick up on um, were, were a challenge for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's a, that's, that's a great scene. And honestly, what I loved about the whole series really in general is how the special effects just like came in flawlessly. Like they really did throughout every single episode. Uh, it, it, you would you knew you were watching Marvel, but it didn't feel like Marvel in a way because it was set up like sitcom. And so like that, for instance, I remember watching that scene and I, I, I really did get chills because it was just so flawless the way he just like flew up and then spun around and surveyed the whole town. That was that was awesome. It was a really great scene. Yeah, and let me ask uh, for your workflow on this. Do, you, do are you delivered? You know, storyboards. Like, how much interaction do you have with actually like the directors, writers before we even get started? So, um, if we take that that town kind of shot as an example, we were given a, a previs, so just a, a rough uh, kind of three uh, D animatic, uh, you can call it from Marvel. This is kind of the idea that they're thinking. Um, then we went through several iterations. Uh, with Marvel to figure out the layout of the town because they wanted very specific um, parts of the town to be seen at very specific moments. Um, so if you notice, like as you're flying around, we see the downtown core with the Halloween you know, festivities going on. Then you'll see the water tower. And then finally you see Agnes's car just kind of stalled and parked there. Um, on top of that, you know, we went through iterations of how much of the town they wanted blacked out because that's another thing that they, you know, wanted to, to see where it's half of the town was kind of lit up and then the other half was blacked out, right? Um, mm -hmm. So we went through several iterations of just the layout and stuff like that. And then, you know, um, then we got to work on vision and, and put it all together. And it, it worked out uh, pretty well. Yeah, well, the results speak for themselves for sure. I mean, it's the fact that you now are telling me that that's all CGI, I was like, now I have to go back and rewatch because I, <laughs> I had no clue. I just had assumed at least you had, you know, Paul Bettany on strings in front of a green screen, but it sounds like it was not that. So we had, we did definitely had a bit of the, uh, Paul, just Paul Bettany on a green screen flying up uh, towards camera. But like I said, you know, there's certain things that, you know, they change after shooting where they, they want uh, vision to fly up more. They want it to be higher. So, you know, we have to, 
augment that uh, footage of Paul Bettany. And, and are you provided with this footage or is it something you actually have a studio and you shoot yourself? Um, in, in this case, we were given the footage of Paul Bettany uh, flying up. Uh, Marvel kind of took care of all the, the, the shooting and stuff like that, of those elements. But they kind of give us all the elements. They kind of give us a path to go down and then it's up to us to kind of figure out what it's going to finally look like. Nice. I also... Um... I really did enjoy so like the first two episodes obviously are in black and white I loved like the inclusion of I guess what you could call practical practical effects versus special effects um and even the special effects like for example when uh right in the beginning of episode one when Vision goes to leave for work and it's just like a quick changes his face it's just like sparkling dust uh I thought that was that was so clever like it just it flowed so naturally like it did really feel like I was watching an episode of Bewitched uh and so I mean did you guys have like a favorite uh episode or scene that you worked on in doing this so far um in in you know, relation to like the transitional effects, you know, I think one that worked well with vision uh, was like the Tron lines, especially in the 70s, um, you know, Brady Bunch uh, episodes where like, because it worked so well with his like, um, the patterning of his uh, panels on his face and stuff like that. So it was just, it was really nice to have that. And even just the way it revealed his cape and stuff like that in the Halloween uh, episode. So I think for me, it's like, you know, when, when Wanda's in the kitchen and you see all the flying, you know, elements, basically, and a lot of that was shot on wires and uh, we had to remove the wires, but then we had to add a lot of elements ourselves and kind of match that same jerky type movement. Uh, So things like that are just, you know, a little fun and refreshing for us because normally we, everything has to be super smooth and super polished, but in this case, you're kind of matching a very old school style and it's so and it's a little tricky it's not so simple to do that but uh, to make it seamless and blend in with everything else in the scene but it's fun to do stuff like that and i know that you guys uh did sort of mention this in the beginning but obviously like a show like this was like kept everyone on their seats like every episode just was like something new Fan theories were insane on social media. I mean, theorizing every next episode, every, like the slightest detail, the flicker of a light was something. Uh, I mean, how like how much of the series did you guys know ahead of time? And how, I mean, how did you not give away spoilers is my question. I would never <laughs> be able to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Lon, can I, can I just tell this story? Yeah. I, th- I think this is, this is one story where um, like it talks to that, perfectly is i think it was it was before the whole pandemic had hit i think it was like just before christmas uh so it'd be like december uh, 2019 mm-hmm. i remember uh lon and i went into the, our screening room because we were looking at some um, future episodes and stuff like that and 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 um future effects that we, we would have to do for wandavision and there was the um the pietro reveal and we got like an early cut of you know the reference edit to, mm-hmm. to and I remember just like stopping and like turning over to Lon and going, well, that's huge. <laughs> and we're just like, is that who we thought? Is that, is that quick? Oh, like, and then I had to live with that for all of 2020. <laughs> right? But I'm just going, man, like that's going to be huge. And, and that's just one moment where it really. We knew out. we had to kind of forget exactly what we <laughs> just seen right away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Basically what you do is just kind of like, okay, let's just 
pretend we didn't see that. <laughs> so did you did you pay attention to the online theories and chatter then, or would that would that have just been too much? <laughs> no, I did. I I, I read everything and anything because I'm a fan as well, and I'm you know watching what people are writing and guessing and it's kind of fun it's another experience right it's it's kind of really cool and because some of it i didn't know where it was going to go either so and on some of these things so it was interesting to kind of go along for the ride as a fan uh, as much as you can knowing was there stuff. was there any bizarre theories that came out that you were like like a super fan of even though you probably knew it was wrong <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, I didn't know, uh, to be honest, cause I tried to stay a little away from the whole uh, Mephisto, uh, you know, thing. So it was like, <laughs> it was interesting to see where that was going to go. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's probably it for me. Yeah. Same. So you tell me Mephisto is not coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <Darn it. laughs> Save for a later date. Yeah, exactly. How about you, Anthony? Did you see any uh, theories that just kind of caught your eye? There, there was, you know, like, again, going back to that, that uh, Peter Evans, um, or Evans, Peter, uh, Peter Evans, right? Peter Trump. Evan, yeah. Evan Peterson. Uh, so, there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so going back to that, I think, because um, I guess people heard that he was part of the production or he was credited as part of the production early on. You know, and just hearing people go, oh, maybe he's going to be this character. Maybe he's going to just be that character. Maybe he's just an actor that got casted by Marvel in a totally separate role. And I'm just looking at it and going, yeah, maybe. Or maybe <laughs> he's uh, you know, Quicksilver or whoever. But yeah, stuff like that. And even, you know, the Mephesto sort of stuff was really interesting. Because again, these are theories that we didn't have enough knowledge as just a, you know one of the visual effects studios to say yes that is the case or not so it was kind of fun like yeah is it Mephisto and you know is he just playing all these different roles or then it didn't come to fruition but you know it's still fun to go for the run we don't get all the pieces of the puzzle either and I don't know anyone who gets all the pieces to the puzzle so it's like for us is trying to figure out and put those pieces together that we do uh, get exposed to yeah yeah i mean a huge props to you guys i would never have been able to keep that under wraps like my sister and i live in different cities and we watch the show together and i I watch in the morning she watches it in the evening and when that episode came on and evan peters showed up at the end of it i was texting her her entire day i was like you just like leave work like you have to go watch this like i I don't know like how i'm not gonna just like blurt this out Well, it was kind of like, you know, because of uh, Disney or or buying Fox, that's where it was like, oh, this is so genius. This is so genius. This is how they're going to incorporate, you know, Fox, the Fox universe into this. Uh, So it was was interesting where it's going to go. And it it still is interesting where that the possibilities are going to go as a fan. You know, when everybody thinks of VFX, they're always thinking explosions and monsters. But was there any like little details in WandaVision that you were so proud of or so psyched for that you know that most people are just never going to notice that you uh, were like, did this contribution to the program? Um, I think kind of like what Lon touched on, uh, even just like, just the little floating uh, elements in the kitchen scene or um, the speed stuff all the speed ramp uh you know swing set stuff which which shows up right at the very beginning of the kind of the titles of one of the uh episodes and you see him moving so quickly and everything just flows so nicely you don't notice how hard that was for us and because (laughs) the swing set is all falling apart in real time and he's moving really 
quick. So we're having to cut out a lot of the swing set, do vision, because he was shot, I guess, in slow motion. Correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Anthony, which means it's a much longer sequence, many more frames for us to deal with. So we're having to do vision's head, and then we're having to put the swing set elements back in, kind of on top. And it's just like craziness, but it goes by so fast. The viewer has no idea. It's like, (laughs) yeah. That's crazy. Well, when I go back and watch it, I'll I'll, like pause it so we can just. Yeah, we will appreciate it. Yes. (laughs) You know, I remember one of my kids coming up to me and showing me a still image of Vision next to Wanda on the swing set. And you can see in his arm, there's a little bit of skin tone. And it was like, it just took off, I think on TikTok or something. And everyone's like, ah, a mistake, mistake. And I remember (laughs) texting uh, our internal uh, visual effects supervisor, Ryan Freer, saying hey man there's there's a mistake i think we missed something he's like oh no no we caught that i mean i don't know how that showed up on tiktok but we caught that we actually fixed that mistake oh that's that's actually interesting because i did see that i did see it on tiktok i will not lie but when the episode aired that it was it was gone yeah, exactly. So I'm like, when he told me that we fixed it, and he kind of sent me a link to the fixed element, I had to like, check right away, because I'm like, we can't, we can't be the ones to make that error that suddenly is, you know, flying on TikTok all over the world. Um, yeah, I, I looked at the shot myself, and I brought my daughter over to say, see, we fixed it. Okay. So- <laughs> your TikTok friends this is not an error <laughs> that's so uh, the world we live in yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, of course I mean, that's the thing that yeah. gets noticed <laughs> yeah. exactly. i know i know well TikTok was blowing up every day after the new episode premiered just with theories and just fans just going crazy like i i will tell you when evan peter showed up i think it broke the internet for a little bit like genuinely, <laughs> because then the theories were flying, you know, is X-Men coming in? And uh, it was, it was, it was awesome. It was such a camaraderie, this show uh, that I've never experienced watching any other piece of television. Yeah. Was, I was... waited to watch WandaVision until right before the final episode. So every single episode was ruined for me because of the internet. Yeah. So thank oh, you internet, no. for that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's fine. It's still, I still enjoyed the ride, but yeah, it's, you definitely have to stay offline if you want to, you know, be surprised these days. Well, and I think that's why every time an episode dropped, I'd watch it as quickly as I could before it would get, you know, all the elements of it would get ruined for me. And then, yeah. Lesson learned. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, did you guys have a favorite episode that you viewed as a fan? I would say the the Halloween episode, not just because of the work that went into it. I just loved seeing like Wanda and Vision in their old school uh, comic book outfits. Um, And then just where that episode was going, because, you know, you had Pietro in that episode. So, you know, he was introduced in 105 and you go into 106 and you get to see a little bit more and kind of try to figure out what's going on and where he fits in. And then, like I said, seeing the costumes and then, you know, seeing her work too, you know, have in that episode and, and just like Agnes's performance with Vision uh, at the end at her car is, you know, it, it was fantastic too. So that was a lot of, a lot of fun. Yeah. I think for me, it's like the whole season as a package is just a really nice package of cinema, you know, like from beginning to end, it's like so unique and, 
I think it was a, a risk for them to kind of go down that path, but it's so genius. It's so genius. It just made sense how they rolled this thing out. And you're kind of like watching episode one and two, and you're not being taken out of the world at all. You're in that world and you're wondering what, how are we going to get out of this? Like, how are we getting out of this, this, this timeline essentially, and how it all unwrapped to white vision showing up and all the little pieces of everybody kind of moving off into these different directions. Now you're kind of like, where's where's white vision going to take us where's you know where's she uh, wanda going to take us in the future we know it's syncing up to doctor strange in some way but where is that going to take us it's like it's a really really nice package uh speaking yeah. of which where we're going to be taken with this uh wh- what do you guys have next in your queue for uh work in the mcu well i mean there's a, definitely a few things we're talking to marvel about uh i think uh, the relationship this was the beginning of the relationship we're still a young company and we had to use this show to really prove ourselves uh but we are talking to them about a couple other projects right now um but uh yeah it's uh you know, we're probably just as interested in, to me as a fan, we'll go along any ride. Um, Cause I, I just, what this show showed me is how they were able to create that brand and just be who they are. Like it's, there's, there's a reason why you pay a ticket price and you are always happy coming out of the theater. It's so worth every penny you pay because the iterative process of excellence, like, that's the real secret, in my opinion, is they just iterate and iterate on every single level to just bring that standard up. And it's like, that's what you're paying for as a, as a, uh, as a customer. And it's, and we love, we learned that lesson working on this, that's for sure, is they pushed us and pushed us and pushed us. But as soon as you accept the idea that this is what it takes to put out that product consistently, you're okay to, to, to do it to come along for the ride. Did you know it was Agatha all along? <laughs> well, that, that's actually, so that, that, no, no, but that's, that, that's an interesting question because when we worked on that sequence with uh, Vision and um, Agatha in the car, you know, we worked on it and, you know, sometimes we would have audio and sometimes we wouldn't. So we're going, okay, they're having some sort of conversation, you know, but then like a week later, we got that one shot which was part of the Agatha all along kind of little music video. Mm-hmm. And we're going, and she's like staring at camera and she's playing, you know, she's breaking the fourth wall and you're going, what? And, and again, we don't have full context when we're working on this stuff. We're going, how does that fit into that sequence we just worked on? And then we're going, what? And then I saw it and I was like, this is genius. Like, it just, it was great. It's fantastic. And you know, it's funny what you said about with Marvel, you know, WandaVision was the place to prove yourselves. But, uh, you know, Mars has a lot of other work, you know, that I <laughs> I would also consider to be incredibly impressive and, and really big name, like Watchmen, Umbrella Academy, What We Do in the Shadows, um, Living With Yourself. I don't, I don't remember what's most recent, but um, personally, as a fan <laughs> of Umbrella Academy, and since it's also kind of like, the superheroes, uh, would you mind telling us a little bit about your involvement there? On on what show specifically, just in, in general? Oh, I think we, oh man, it's like hard to choose. Well, I mean, you know, I can, uh, you know, Watchmen was, mm-hmm. Watchmen was great uh, for us. It's kind of like really helped launch the company. Uh, and I actually supervised the original Watchmen, the Zack Snyder Watchmen and Rorschach. And uh, Anthony actually was with me at that time. So that's yep. a long time ago. Yep. Um, <laughs> 
but uh, and it still holds up really well. So we're obviously huge fans of Watchmen. So when the, that show was basically greenlit, we were very curious. We thought maybe Rorschach was in it. So we were kind of pursuing them saying, hey, we're the guys who did Rorschach. And it's like, Rorschach's not going to be in this. And we're like, what? <laughs> uh, but we have someone else who's a masked guy that uh, you guys might be interested in. And we kind of went down that avenue. And uh, that was Looking Glass, which was really, really cool to work on as well. Um, so that was a great experience uh, for us. And it's, again, another digital head. Uh, and that helped actually bring us to uh, helping to sell ourselves on being able to handle uh, uh, vision as well. So I'd say that was that was a nice bridge. That was a nice uh, kind of history in, in the beginning of Mars. And we're doing, we did uh, some of Shadow and Bone that's coming out on, on Netflix as well. We're oh, starting I'm excited for that on one. Umbrella Academy season three right now. We're getting into that. That's uh, so exciting. And some other really, really cool stuff that we can't get into just yet. But, you know, with the character, with the focus on character animation, uh, you know, I guess I can say we, we are working on a, uh, a new SpongeBob film. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that's your gonna kids can love you again. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to test our character ability. That's for sure. Uh, already right now we're seeing that. Yeah, it's it's some pretty wacky, crazy stuff. And it's uh, but it's going to be fun. Like I'm a huge, huge fan. And I love being able to be part of shows where you can watch it and kids can watch it. You get your thing out of it. They get their thing out of it. Uh, but everybody can enjoy it. Did I read that you're going to be working on Why the Last Man? Can you talk about that or no? Uh, well, I mean, can't get too much into it, but yes, we are uh, we are working on that as well. Okay, I was a big fan of that uh, series, so I'm cool. very excited for that. Uh, yeah, no, we're, we're there's definitely some great stuff that we're uh, we're involved with. And we're excited about. Nice. Yeah. So, do you guys? So, these are upcoming projects for you folks. I mean, do you have any? Let's say. Like, dream project that you would just love to be able to work on that you haven't tackled yet? Kind of to bring it full circle, I would just love to be able to work on like a, a Jurassic Park, whether it's a, a show or a feature. And again, that's just a, for me personally, just to bring it back around to, um, you know, what got me started on this path. And, you know, I kind of feel like, you know, working on Watchmen with Lon and stuff, you know, we kind of close that loop the Watchmen loop uh, <laughs> so well on our podcast we covered um Jurassic Park and Fast and the Furious crossover potential so maybe you'll get to work oh with uh, God, dinos yeah. and uh and race nice. cars <laughs> for me it's probably Star Wars anything Star Wars you got to check that box off you know once that box is checked off then it's kind of we've, we've done it we've, <laughs> just retire yeah that's, that's awesome well yeah definitely I mean do you have a favorite uh Lon, piece of Star Wars content so far like do you like the animated series versus the films i think i mean the mandalorian i really am enjoying that um i i think it's kind of the first piece that i've seen that feels like star wars in my opinion um so i mean like obviously you know the movies the spectacle and vfx wise it's just like so insane and you're watching it and you're like oh my like this is just crazy how big this is um but watching the mandalorian especially the last season just some of the stuff that i'm watching on tv i'm like looking at my kid across the room going they're doing this on tv like <laughs> how are they hitting this quality like this is this is it like it's insane 
Lon, I think it shows our ages that we're very similar because I said the same thing. I was like, this feels like the closest I've gotten to the feeling of Star Wars since the original. So, oh, yeah. But I do yeah. think it's an age thing, personally. <laughs> probably. Bridget probably would disagree <laughs> with us. No, They're I probably looking Mandalorian. at us like, what are you talking about? Like, oh, yeah, you're old, man. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I genuinely think The Mandalorian is one of the best pieces of Star Wars materials out okay. there. I mean, we can agree season on that. two was just like absolutely mind blowing. But Lon, if there was ever another Toy Story, would you ever want to be a part of that? I I don't know. I think, uh, you know, I kind of, I passed that road, you know? It's like, Mm -hmm. I would have loved to go into that direction in my career to go the Pixar route and go down that path. And I I think I just kind of, you know, passed me by. So I'm okay just being a fan and seeing what they're going to do next. And I think like, you know, SpongeBob is just awesome for someone like me who's a huge fan of animation. And and again, the whole Tex Avery and that kind of style. And I'm just like super excited to see what we're going to pull off in that. And I think I think I'm okay with uh, just being yeah. a fan of, of the Toy Stories. Unless they make it a live action VFX <laughs> movie say, one day, well, who knows? Yeah. Just you wait. <laughs> I know by Toy <laughs> Story 10, we might be there. Yeah, exactly. It. Then it'll be like, yeah, let's do a piece of that, but we'll see. <laughs> I think another one for me is like Iron Giant. If they ever made Iron oh Giant a live yeah, action, you know, I don't know if you want to touch it because it's such a classic, but yeah. if they ever made it a live action, be like, I think I want to be part of that. <laughs> I think you just unlocked like a memory I had as a kid because that there was like a preview for that movie on every single VHS tape I owned. Like, <laughs> it was like everything or it just might have been on the same vhs tape like of some movie that i probably that you watched, watched like, over, a million and times over and over, over. Again. but in my head it's like every single film i watched on vhs <laughs> i had that <laughs> preview <laughs> yeah i can really so good so good genuinely wandavision has been my favorite piece of marvel content so far it, i've watched it three times already i don't know what it is about it but it wow. genuinely just blew me away uh and i i mean i'm a big fan of like I Love Lucy growing up. I loved I Love Lucy. I loved Bewitched. So all of a sudden when Marvel like combined like two of my favorite pieces of film and television, I like could cry. Like I was so (laughs) excited. And so so this is so awesome getting to talk with you two uh for having worked on it. Like I just I'm so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for didn't really we just do what we do. (laughs) Exactly. 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 I mean, guys, do you have it, Lucas and Emilia? Do you have any more final questions? No, I'm just curious if Anthony and Lon have anything that you know they want to add that maybe we missed. Yeah, anything uh, that our yeah. our fans, audience, or Marvel fans or whatever would would be interested in. Well, there was something I can talk to uh, and, and talk about that uh, you know our supervisor mentioned. Uh, There's just a nice little Easter egg. Is one of the things that they just the level of detail Marvel takes things is. You know, when they, uh, Paul Bettany, I guess his vision early on in the, you know, the the black and white, he had eyelashes and less robotic eyes. And as it got through the decades, Marvel was asking us to remove these things. So he became more, again, stoic and robotic later on, where you see more of the, you know, uh, robotic in his eyes and no eyelashes so you can see that slight transition happening through the uh, series as well it's just again another level of detail which made sense you know they wanted him to be more of a you know homely i guess for the the earlier black and white uh by having those eyelashes and having that that there and then again as he became more of who vision is and who we remember him being in age of Ultron. He's, he's more of that. No eyelashes, very robotic. Honestly, that makes the 
when White Vision shows up at the end of the last episode and his eyes turn from robotic like back to real, that just makes that so much better now. Oh my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> Definitely gonna pay Little attention to that like now. That. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for you know joining us today. Thank you yes. for having us. So that wraps up our conversation with Lon and Anthony of Mars VFX. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We just want to thank Lon and Anthony one more time for the interesting insights into their process. Maybe we can get them back on to talk about a future project. Special thanks to Search PR for connecting us with the team. Well, that's our music, which means it's time to go. But don't forget to tune in next week for a new episode of The Verse. The Verse is presented by ScreenRadar.com and produced by Stephen Kruzakowski.